this episode was a little bit different um, that we did, wasn't it, Matt? I think every episode <laughs> that we do is a little different. <laughs> um, we did. We recorded this episode live at Jackie Winter Gives You the Business, um, which if you're not familiar with, we've spoken about it a couple of times on the show, but we were really delighted to be invited along to do a segment. We wanted to make it both worthwhile for, the, for an audio version of the show and also worthwhile for people that are spending money and giving up their their kind of weekend to come and listen listen to us. So we approached the the show, I guess, in in a, in a quite different way. Um, we sort of storyboarded up what we wanted to get out of it, and um, and you'll sort of notice that that we are we're moving the conversation on quite a bit because we're there's certain things we wanted people to walk home with and, and really get it. And I think you know that's something about the Jackie Winter gives you the business mm. conference that I think was really different than other conferences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, I, even I sitting in the audience took away a whole bunch of different things um, from, you know, just that I've, I've already started using. Mm. So I and think, you, you mentioned something before specifically. Yeah. Well, my big thing is um, emails. So yeah. um, I think it was Benjamin Law was talking about uh, mm. zero emails yeah. and just this idea of that, um, you know, you, you basically zero out your emails every day mm. and you've got, you've got a very basic way of looking at everything. So any email that comes in, you say, is it junk? I can delete it straight away. Um, is it something I can do within five minutes? Mm. Then you do it in five minutes. Is it something I can't do in five minutes? It's going to be a bit longer and that goes into a file that you then attack later. Mm. So it actually becomes a, a job that you do. And it's, um, it's fantastic. Like I've still got loads of unread. I'm still up on 450 unread <laughs> emails. Um, but they're in a different folder. But now. they're in a different folder. So <laughs> it looks nice and clean. And I actually, it's, it's affecting me mentally, I think. Mm. I, feel, I, feel, I feel better about life. I've always thought you were a bit mental. <laughs> I just feel like I'm in control for the first time ever. That's cool. He did explain it. Um, I've heard of it before, but he did explain it better than I've ever seen it read on the yeah. internet. So I think that I think that sort of stuff really helps, like hearing from hearing from someone experienced specifically talking to you about something like that mm. um, can is better than sort of just reading something on the internet. And there were, there were lots of lawyers who spoke about royalties and you know how to, mm. the kind of legalities behind asking for money, which I think was, you know, just real real beneficial stuff that maybe schools mm. aren't doing or people who have been out in the industry have just you know just haven't remembered or you know so it was yeah, really, it was really good yeah. yeah and also things change as well yeah so yeah it's good absolutely. to keep update um yeah we really we really enjoyed enjoyed the bits that we watched as well um so we were specifically to, we were asked to talk um about how and when do i talk about money with a client uh, so we, in typical ADR style, we found someone that was far more intelligent than Matt and I combined to make us look good. It's not hard. Really. <laughs> it wasn't hard. <laughs> um, and uh, we were lucky enough to convince Ian Haig to to yeah. come on, do a live version of the show. It was pretty, as you can imagine, it was a pretty tall order because mm. we hadn't done anything like this before. And, um, you know, he's a mate, but still, you know, he's got to get up there. And I, think, I think Ian up. was the perfect person and, and it really became, I mean, it was clear from the start, but it was so clear when we were sitting in the audience and I was just listening to the other speakers and thinking, oh shit, they're talking about what we're going to talk yeah. about. Oh no, they're also talking about that. Oh no, oh no. And I looked at him and just said, oh, they're kind of stolen all that material. And he said, let's just be fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Awesome, and he was. He was. He was hilarious. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really good. We we had a great time. We had twenty eight minutes, so we had to keep it quite tight. I think we did pretty well with that. Yep. We think the audio version is pretty high quality, so we think you guys will really enjoy this. 
we wanted to say a big thanks to Ian Haig uh, for doing all the real work, uh, <laughs> really, and talking and sharing his knowledge in, in the funny way that he that he does. And a big thank you to uh, Jeremy, Mel, and Andrew. Yeah. Um, and everyone in attendance, uh, we had a great time and we hope you enjoy the audio version. It's a really good conference and I think more. we need more conferences like this. So well done. Yeah, well done. Enjoy. So right now, I'm going to pass it over. Please, wait, first give a warm welcome to Matt, Ian and Flynn from ADR. Thank you. Have you pressed all your buttons? And you need a mic. <laughs> thanks, Jeremy. Um, so, hi, everyone. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Flynn, and these two tall gentlemen next to me, this is Matt on the right-hand side, um, co-host of ADR, and Ian Haig. Hello. <laughs> um, on my left-hand side. Um, so, first of all, before we get stuck into it, um, massive props to Jeremy for putting this stuff together. This is amazing. This is so good. Yeah, this is really great. Um, well this, is, this is obviously the sort of thing that... So we were talking about doing this um, that we wish happened when we were young and we were coming up and we were trying to start a business. I could have stopped making so many mistakes, like, honestly. So (coughs) I think we should give a round of applause. Yay. It's really hard to clap. You can't clap with the mic in your hands, yeah. Um, So we're here to answer the question, um, how and when do I talk about money with a client? Um, For those that don't know of ADR, Australian Design uh, Radio, it's a fairly new podcast um, we're just about to kick off our season two, and this is actually going to be the first episode um, of that podcast, and you guys are going to be all part of that. So isn't that, isn't that special? Yay. Um, so, so I should introduce our, just, our guest. Um, mm-hmm. When we were thinking about the topic, uh, it was really important to us to get, to get the right person on. Uh, it needed to be someone who could really speak from experience and someone who had learnt a lot from their mistakes, and that's no disrespect if you've... Um, but the perfect person we thought was probably someone who was running their own shop, um, who had their own business, because the stakes are so much higher and there's more on the line. So thankfully, Ian agreed to join us. And Ian, if you don't know, is a well-known animator and also a, a videographer. Is that the Ian, right? if you don't know, is well-known. <laughs> is videographer yeah. the right? Video- videographer is a word that I'm not like crazy about. Um, I don't know if anyone in here um, is as crazy about that word as I'm not. But um, it, you know, it comes from photographer, right? And so people sort of say video photographer. It sounds like VHSs or yeah. It was it was kind of um, it's it's not a word that I have a great deal of affection for. And somehow my wife worked it so that when our first daughter was born on her birth certificate, uh, my wife's profession is business director, and my profession is self-employed videographer. <laughs> It's like a hobby. Yeah, it sounds like something you just do in the garage. Maybe there are trains or, you know, it's just not something I'm crazy about. So Ian, as you can probably tell, is from New Zealand, born and bred. He's been in Australia for about 12 years. He worked with some massive agencies like Interbrand and Moon. But for over 10 years, he's run his own businesses, the first being Green Lipped. And now he's running successfully Ketchup Partners. I'll pull you up on the pronunciation there. It's Ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's been like this the entire time. Um, so uh, before we do kick off and start answering some of these questions, we usually kick off Australian Design Radio by saying welcome to Australian Design Radio. Um, no points for creativity there. Um, but what we thought we might do is take advantage of um, the live audience because we may never get invited back again. Um, so we might see if we can get some audience participation. Um, audience so participation. can we get you to say on the count of three, welcome to Australian Design Radio. 
You guys up for it? Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise we're going to sit here for 26 minutes and there's going to be no... Um, it's okay, all time so, we're wasting. So, okay, so, on the, so to incentivise this, um, we're going to give you some money for it. Yeah? Yeah, because it's all about business. So. It's about commerce. So we're going to give 50 bucks to the loudest person? Hey, let's give 100. Okay, 100 bucks. Okay. 100 bucks to the loudest person. We're going to do this one time, one time only. Welcome to Australian Design Radio. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> What? That was great. <laughs> My side was louder beyond. <laughs> that was, that was great. All right, let's All right. get stuck into it. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Who was the loudest? Oh. What do you mean? Well, who's going to get the 100 bucks? Well, well we interestingly... We didn't really sign a contract. Yeah, we didn't right? sign anything. Um, <laughs> oh, learning already. There you go. We're going to give everybody $100 worth of value um, with some new information. So... <laughs> All right, so the question that we've got to answer is when and how do you talk about money? And I think the when is really obvious, isn't it? It's like up front, straight away? Straight away. Well, a client relationship is like a um, romantic relationship in a lot of ways. It's different in some other very important ways as well. <laughs> but I think of it like if you're, uh, if you're on a date, a first date, and you're whining and dining and things are going really well and you have finding out about them and you, know, you think that they're funny and intelligent and they think that you've got great hair... And then to suddenly start talking about money, it's just like, uh, okay, let's talk about the bill and um, how we're going to split it. Because you had uh, the pasta and um, I had this and you had two drinks. Oh, wait, no, you had three drinks. And suddenly all the romance has been sucked out of the room. And it's similar with a client. You want to find out if it's going to be a good working relationship. Is it a client that you want to work for? Is the project going to be sexy? Is it going to be fun? And is there enough time for you to actually complete the project. And so I think even before you start talking about money, you want to test the water and see whether it's going to be, uh, you know, so worthwhile. How long does this go on for, though? I mean, does this... I mean, do you start work before you actually start really talking about the money, or...? Uh, some clients will try to encourage you. They'll sort of say, like, yeah, uh, listen, there's not much of a deadline. We're going to get the budget for this, but it would be great if you could start doing some concepts. Thank you very much. And that's a bad idea. And I th I'm pretty sure the lawyers would have impressed this upon you as well, is that don't start working until you've negotiated what you're going to be doing and for how much. What if they're talking like, well, we don't really know what the, you sort of already mentioned already. We don't really know what the budget is, We're waiting for the budget to come through, that kind of stuff. Right, so you can actually... I think a lot of clients, they want to play their cards close to their chest. The idea being that a... Uh, they want to sort of say, so what do you think this is going to cost? And then you basically come back with a price and they go, that's much cheaper than we were prepared to pay. <laughs> now they're up you know, with some money kind of thing and so they don't want to give away the budget. But in my experience, it's actually been uh, just by asking, just sort of saying, hey, what are we sort of talking about here? Do you have a budget in mind? Sometimes you might be surprised. I might come back and actually level with you and say, well, this is the kind of, uh, this is what we're working with. Particularly if you've already built up a relationship with that client and there's already some trust there. Yep. So, so what happens, what happens if that, that doesn't happen? What happens if they're playing their cards too close to their chest and, and, they, and they put it back on you and they say, Ian, how oh, much are you worth an really hour? Awkward, like, what's in the budget? Well, how much are you going to charge? Yeah. What, well, what's in the budget? And it's like yeah, kind of awkward. Yeah. And so then you're, then you're flying blind. You don't really know um, what you know, you're dealing with. You need to come up with a figure. You need to price it accordingly. Uh, my advice there would be to do your homework, to ask around, uh, use your network, find out, particularly if you're, if you're brand new at it, so find out what the going rate is, talk to your peers and, and leverage that and, and try to figure out what people are prepared to wear for it and also find out exactly what's involved, like making sure that you know, understand the scope of the job. Is that not a bit taboo though? To, I mean, 
do we really want to be sharing how much we're charging with, with other designers or other illustrators or other videographers? I say do it. I say you, you might not, everyone might not feel completely comfortable about talking about how much it's going to cost, but other people might be. You can, um, you can get a sense of, of whether someone is um, cool with talking about it as to whether they uh, run away and jump into a hedge or if they stay and talk to you about it. It's, um, it's really, it can be taboo, but even if, you're, even if you're not talking about the hard monetary value, it can be really valuable to talk to your peers about how they go about the process, like whether they have an invoice um, template, for example, you know, how, they, how they go about the facts and figures, but also they might have experiences that you can learn from as well. So I say get out there and talk about it. Talking about talking about it. Um, Meta. <laughs> um, that can be pretty scary, right? Like especially when you're starting out to, to start talking about, to talk about money. Right. But it is a job and you, I think for some reason in the creative industry, like more than other industries, people, perhaps it's because we sort of enjoy what we do. It's the kind of, you know, you can't believe sometimes that you're getting paid for what you do. You know, you're actually literally drawing pictures and you think, well, this is kind of really good fun. I don't feel comfortable charging people a lot of money for it. But it is a job, and you've got to think of it like a job. You've got to, you've got to cover your cost of living, and so you can figure out um, just all of the things that go into what you need to cover your weekly wage, and so whether it's your rent, whether it's you know you've you've got to clothe yourself and eat, or at least I do, and then you've got to um, you can figure out what you've got to pay for, and then you're going to feel more confident going in and asking for the right price for your job because you've done your homework. So when when do we ask for that? So we've had the lovely dinner. It's, we're, we're into dessert. Are we, are, we, are we talking about money then? Are, am I telling you how much I want then? Or am I like a, like a date waiting for two or three days before I call back? Well, ex again, like a date. Don't feel pressured, people. If someone is trying to press you into something you don't want to do, you can say no. <laughs> so no means no. No means no, right? And, and clients will sometimes, you know, they maybe you've had a couple of glasses of wine and a client says, let's move this to the next level. <laughs> I, I want to talk about money. And you're like, wait, wait, I'm not a professional. Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay, metaphor's getting. <laughs> um, the, the client, the client says, let's talk about money. And sometimes, because clients are often expert negotiators, and they know that by getting putting you on the spot, and they can get you to commit to a price right away, and that's not often a good thing because you need to have some time to consider what you, all of the things that you need to consider around, like what you've got to cost up, what you've got to pay for. Um, and so you need to create some space for yourself. So you say to your client, look, I, I like you a lot, but I'm going to need some time to, um, to go away and think. I need to talk to my peers. I need to just, just chill out, man. Just get away from me and you know, create some space. So I think it's really important. And, and they should be fine with that. I think it's reasonable to ask for some time to come up with a cost. So it's a complex thing. You were talking about costing up, though. So how detailed do we go, though? I mean, am I putting photocopying on there, cab rides? Um, yes, you always include photocopying, that's super important. Um, but it's, it's an interesting question though, how, when you're doing your estimate, like how vague and how specific do you have to be? So if you're talking about, like photocopying is a great example, if you put down an hour for photocopying and then at the end of the job you've presented the client with six photocopies, simple arithmetic will, will tell you that you spent ten minutes on each photocopy. And the client might I like, be like, I like to get it right. what were you stoned or, or what was the, or, or 10 minutes per photocopy, you know, um, and so you've given them too much, you've given them too much detail, you've basically given them ammunition to come back to you, push back and sort of say, look, I don't think that this is, 
this is right. So you could just, you need to give yourself some wiggle room. And I think every job is, uh, needs to be considered on its individual merits, but you need to be able to uh, make an estimate. Sometimes a job, you can say, this is gonna take eight hours. Well, it's never gonna take eight hours, right? It's gonna take usually more or usually less. It's never gonna be bang on, but just build in a little bit of ambiguity in there. Don't be too specific, don't be too vague either. If you just give them with a number, then it might be hard to justify those costs. So photocopying might go under admin or something like that? Yeah, photocopying might go under admin. Let's write that down, guys. <laughs> what, what, what about meetings though, sorry? Um, it, that's the thing that I've been caught up on before, the whole, do I, do I charge for meetings and do I put that on the actual quote? Uh, yeah, I say do charge for meetings. I never used to, and uh, when I was working in the Netherlands, there was this uh, client of mine, and he, I think he felt sorry for me just because he just thought this poor Kiwi bozo doesn't know what he's doing. He said, listen, um, on the invoice, you're not charging anything for the meetings. It's only the work that you're doing. And really, when you're in this meeting with us, you could be doing work for someone else, but you're not. You're with us. And so you need to charge us for that time. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we need to have 20 more meetings. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, he, he, basically I bankrupted the company for having meetings out front from that point on. But it was, uh, it was a valuable lesson. And I think he made a really valid point, which is like your, your time is valuable. Um, and you know, some people just love meetings. And if you've put it, if, actually, if you've got a cost on the meetings, then you'd be surprised at how much you can achieve in a meeting. <laughs> How efficient those meetings yeah, are. Very, very efficient. Yeah, you don't tend to get as many biscuits, but you, know, you get paid. So we've, we've kind of covered when and how. Um, but uh, So what happens if you do all these things right? Everything, everything seems fine. You're flirting with each other. She looks attractive. You look attractive. She looks attractive. You look attractive. She looks attractive. Um, what happens when they start pushing back? <laughs> uh, uh, which metaphor are we on? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. If, 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 I think what you're describing here, Flynn, is negotiating. Correct. Right. <laughs> um, would be the uh, adult word for it. If you're negotiating, um, first of all, I think sometimes negotiating can be a little bit terrifying, particularly when you're with someone who, uh, you know, negotiating with someone who does it for a living. They can be, uh, if you've ever tried to buy a, a carpet in Istanbul, for example, it's, a, it's not easy. You, you end up there with many more carpets than you started with. Um, and... But don't, don't, sorry? Okay, cool. Um, but don't, don't take that as a, uh, as a negative. I think if they're negotiating with you, then it's a good sign. It means that they want to work with you and now we're just nutting out the details. So effectively, they're just doing their job. Sometimes it can, it can feel like you know, you're on the back foot because they're questioning everything in the estimate. They're sort of saying, why is this? Why do you need that? You don't need a helicopter kind of thing. And you can, you can push back because you've done your homework and you know you've considered everything that needs to go into that job, you've researched the price and everything, and you can stand your ground and say, yes, um, we do need a helicopter, please. Two, two maybe. Two, yeah, two helicopters. Um, the important thing to realise, though, uh, when you're negotiating, sometimes we tend to, we want to take on a job because the client is cool, because the job is sexy, because we don't have any work, um, and so they're not willing to budge on the cost, and so you might bring down your price. Now. I learned the hard way, and uh, I don't want anyone else to learn the hard way. When you, if you are going to reduce your cost, then you need to take something away. So, t reduce the number of deliverable deliverables, or give them a discount and make sure they're aware that it's a discount. So you sort of you shake them around and say, "This is a discount," and then you put on the invoice discount because the last thing you want to do is set a precedent so that 
all of the future work with that client is going to be at that price. Yeah, that's kind of something you can never come back from, is it? Right, right. And then every time you do work for them in the future, you'll be like, like that. you'll literally make that sound. <laughs> so, so if you want to reduce the price, is there a, is there a, can, you, can you give options as well? Can you give like, this is the, the cheapskate option? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. Option for the yeah. high roller option. If you call it the cheapskate option, they might you know, be offended. But if, if you give them options, it's a great way to get it across the line occasionally so that uh, rather than just giving them one price and saying, that's it, that's the, that's the deal, take it or leave it, I'm walking, you say, well, we've got this price. Don't, don't call it, um, don't call it, it's like in McDonald's, I don't call it a small coffee, they call it a regular coffee. See the difference? Call it a regular price. Or you can get it all frills, kind of all singing, all dancing. And sometimes that can be really helpful for a client to give them more than one option in terms of your deliverables because then they can see the value between those two things. So they can sort of see, it gives them, uh, gives them a choice and so they might be more willing to get across the line with you or work with you. And sometimes it can be helpful to present in person as well rather than just sending off the quote to actually go in there because it can be fairly nuanced, particularly if it's a new client and they need some um, explaining. Right. So... So the benefit of that is being there and you can see their eyes as they go, oh, and you go, <laughs> yeah. but we could come in a little bit lower. Yeah, once they've fallen off their chair, you can put them in the recovery position. <laughs> and when they, when they come around, you can say, or oh, we could do a cheaper one. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking before about the, the triangle, which is like the, the price, the speed and the quality. Um, is that something that, that you think about a lot when you're quoting? Uh, yeah, and if, anyone, if anyone's not familiar with that, it's quite a common idea, but um, it's this idea that you've got like price, speed, and quality, pick two. And that's the idea that you know, it's impossible to get all three. There's usually some, some tension in there, so that if a client wants something very, very quickly, it's going to drive up the price. Um, if, the, if the client wants something you know, um, very, very cheaply, then you, could, you can say, look, you need to um, give me some leeway on the time in that case. And I suppose the one thing that you really don't want to uh, compromise on, if you can help it as a creative, is the quality. So, so what would you sacrifice instead of, assuming you had to sacrifice something, they, they, they don't want to pay too much, but they need it right now. You're not going to sacrifice quality, so what would you sacrifice? You, you could sacrifice a goat. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you, what if I didn't have any goats? <laughs> yeah. uh, what you can do is, is basically... Is, Instead of sacrificing quality, you could say, well, I'm not gonna, you're not going to deliver as much. So, um, you know, I'll give you half a logo or, <laughs> or, or something. But uh, you, you might be able to split it into two, into two jobs, for example, to sort of say, all right, phase one, we're going to deliver this, and then phase two, we're going to deliver that. Um, but I think that, you know, you, something's got to give eventually. So either you, they have to be flexible on the price, um, I mean, in some instances, maybe it is possible to sacrifice on quality, but ideally you want to be keeping your reputation at a high level. So if, if something else can budge, I think that's the way to go. So it's about kind of reducing the scope rather than reducing the quality. Right, reducing the scope and, and delivering uh, or, or just pushing back on one of those other two factors. So how do you work out that price, though? Are you doing like an hourly sort of billing or are you doing um, like a, a per project? Or, I mean, a lot of people are talking about retainers these days as well. Yeah. Um, I think that particularly when you're starting out, uh, calculating costs, clients usually, in my experience, want a project rate. So you'll, you'll quote on the whole project. And the most convenient way to figure out what that cost is going to be is 
telling them what your hourly rate is and then just multiplying it, just estimating how long that's going to take, multiplying it and there's your figure and that's your number, which is um, ter terrific, especially if you're just starting out. But it's not the only way to cost a job because when you think about it, you're delivering value. And if you're, uh, if you're an experienced person, you've been around a while and you know how to do a job in one day where it's going to take everybody else a week to do, then it's not, you're underselling yourself yeah. if you're only charging them for one day of your time. And so it becomes about value. The other, uh, the other thing about billing by the hour is that then there's a tension um, between your, it's in your interest to charge more hours and it's in the uh, client's interest to sort of say, what do you mean it's going to take three days? Come on, you can do it faster than that. And so that's a, there's, a, there's a tension right there. You're both trying to uh, get different things. And, um, and do, you, do, you, do you track your time? Do you, do you like, keep a fastidious list? Yeah, I think that's really important. And I, for a lot of people, their first experience of um, timesheets is when they're in an agency and there's usually somebody who goes, guys, come on, timesheets. Get your timesheets in. And you haven't done a timesheet for like two months and you're going, I don't even remember where I was two months ago, let alone what I was doing. I'm sacrificing a goat somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, but when you're self-employed, when you're doing it for yourself, Timesheets are super valuable because they give you, um, not only do they, they give you sort of an ammunition uh, to, ammunition sounds really adversarial, data to help you explain to a client why something is taking a long time or as long as it is, but also when you're going into the next, um, you know, quoting a job and a client can say, why is it costing this much? You can say, because every time uh, I've done it in the past, it's taken this long and I've got the numbers to back me up. Yeah. Um, you can see as well, like, we sometimes are not very good at figuring out just how long we've spent on particular jobs. And you can be surprised when you look at a, the hours of, that you've spent on a job and sort of go, I didn't realise it took me that long to, to do that particular thing. And so having that data is very valuable. Yeah, um, yeah so, so that's all obviously useful. and um, <laughs> That's all well and good. <laughs> that's all well and good. But things go, well, things go wrong, right? The wheels fall off. What happens when there's a surprise? Uh, yeah, surprises... Definitely something that you uh, want to try to avoid. Surprises usually are terrible on a project. Um, this, I, I don't recall having a good surprise before, like, hey, I got you a puppy, or that never happens. It's like um, surprises are usually because uh, there's been some sort of miscommunication. So the first thing to avoid surprises would be to just be very clear, explicit on what you're going to deliver. Make sure that they uh, know what you're going to give them, so whether exactly what you're going to hand over. Um, also, be very clear about what you're not going to hand over, because they might expect that they're going to get something that you're not really that confident or, or that you don't want to give them. In my instance, because um, I do a lot of animation, that would be the source files. And so often at the end of a job, the client goes, cool, just uh, send us all the source files now, thanks, cool. And I'm like, well, no, I can't do that because you're just going to give it to someone cheaper than me or bring it in-house, and that's all my revenue, my future revenue is gone. So now when I'm quoting a job, it'll say, this doesn't include source files, but I'd be happy to um, include that at an additional cost. Mm -hmm. So what, have you had a situation where it's gone so badly <clears throat> that you have, to, you have to break up? Like all relationships, occasionally it's, it's just not going to be, she's not going to be the one. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's sad, but it's just a fact of, uh, of, of dating slash work that occasionally you have to, um, you have to move on. And I had, a, I had an experience once, uh, it was about respect 
respect. That's what it came down to. I didn't think she respected me. Um, it, because a lot, I think for, a, for some clients, they, they sort of see it as, uh, I have money and you want my money, so you do what I say. And, and this woman was like, uh, right, I want you to do this. Uh, you gotta call me Khaleesi. And I was like, <laughs> I was like I'm, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable doing that, Khaleesi. And, and it just got to the point where I was just kind of like, this is not, this is not gonna work out. And I hadn't been working for myself for very long and it hit me like a bolt out of the blue. Uh, I don't have to work with Daenerys, Queen of Dragons, if I, if I don't want to. And so I, I, rang, I was super nervous and I rang her up and I, and I said, listen, um, before you go on, I just, um, I don't think this is working. And she was like, who is this? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, sorry, see um, and, and basically it was, a, it was a shock for her. She was not expecting that at all. And it was a tremendously what, what liberating empowerment. What did she say? Do you remember what she said? Uh, I don't remember. I think she, there was lots of kind of gasping, um, you know, theatrical style. <gasps> what? Uh, in, in my mind, I think she started crying. Uh, but it was, it was a really liberating experience. It was like, it was like, um, dating someone who is much, much better looking than you and then saying, look, this isn't working. And they're sort of like, <laughs> this, this does not compute. I, I should be dumping you here and, um, and you're punching way above your weight. And it's like, I'm sorry, but uh, that's the way it's going to be. So, so it's a good feeling. So we can't sack all our clients when it gets too hard. What's, what's the technique you use when it is getting difficult and that respect thing needs to be right don't sack all your clients do not sack all your clients um it's a good feeling but you're, it's a last resort um you really want to make sure that it, you've exhausted all possible avenues before you sack a client um i had another experience where the uh it was another respect thing i, I seem to be big on respect i'm not sure why and uh the client they had been just been really unreasonable like they'd already barted me down in price and i was like fine fine and then they just kept on making rounds and rounds of changes and they were totally unreasonable and they, i didn't think that they were really um i did not like the uh the language that they were using i sound really fussy but really it was completely unreasonable and so i wrote a letter um basically sort of outlining my grievances and i got my wife to uh to look at it first of all which i recommend you get some peer review she was like you need to take out all that stuff about their mothers. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fine, I'll take it out. And then I, and then I sent it to them and it was really, um, it was really great because when they got, they got back to me eventually and it was uh, a completely reasonable, rational um, response. And from that point on, they said they admitted like that they had been under pressure and that they were taking it out on me. And from that point on in the job, it went really smoothly. And so um, communicating, I think, uh, just talking it through, like any relationship, is, uh, is a good thing. Is, is there a reason why the person that you fired, you called, and the person you wanted to hang on to, you emailed? That's a great, uh, great question. It's true. Um, I think that when there's a, there's a good reason, so, sometimes it's, um, it's tempting to write an email because you've got the time to think about what you want to say and particularly 
there was, um, in this instance, there was lots of, uh, there were lots of reasons and there was lots of evidence that I was wanting to get across. And so I could map it all out and get it just right. With the, uh, the firing on the phone, it was more of a, um, there were, we hadn't even started working, it just had a, it was a bad feeling. And so uh, that way by calling her up and, and talking it through, with verbal communication, there's less ambiguity than with an email. It just can be so misinterpreted. Right. And so by talking it through, it, was, it went quite well, I think. You got to hear Daenerys, Queen of Dragons, cry. Yeah. As well. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that takes us down to the, to the end. If, we, if you had any parting kind of... Uh, yeah, so I mean, if we're going to leave everyone with a couple of key points about this topic of how and when. Right. Uh, I think that... For me, the, um, the really big things about how and when, um, it's, it's communication. It's got to be, you've got to make sure that you're all talking about the same thing um, right from the outset before you, um, before you do anything else. The, uh, the, the timesheets, I think, I know it's not sexy, but it's very, very valuable. And um, yeah, there's uh, having the confidence, like doing your homework means that you are going to go into a situation um, being able to defend your decisions, being able to push back on, on them if they're going to question things, then you're going to be in a much better place and be a happy negotiator and be rich. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us to the end of the very first. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Uh, thank you, Jeremy, for having us. Thank Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much. <laughs>